Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 165, your once-weekly live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm John. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. All Super Chats are read on the air so long as they meet our family-friendly criteria. And by the way, this is a family-friendly show in both language and content. However, we do drink alcohol, so... There's that. (laughs) Uh... Anyway, what else is there? Uh, If you'd like to join the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon or Floatplane. Links are both down in the video description. You'll get exclusive access to the Discord server, which is the most happening Discord server on YouTube. Paid membership makes it all the more worthwhile because, uh, well, we all want to be there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, great bunch of people over there, but you can also talk to myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and keep the conversation going all week long. It is quite fun, honestly. It is uh, quite there, fun. There, there are lots of areas, and if you want to see sneak peeks of upcoming shows of Jeff's, uh, possible video ideas he's working on, or, or what beers we might be drinking for the show ahead of time. What project I'm banging my head against this week. Like, Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it, yep. it, it's a it's a roaring time yeah. <laughs> for us anyways not jeff but us yeah yeah everyone else has fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um boy I, I talked about this last week on the show where um one of the things i hated most doing the most in my last job was new image day was creating windows deployment images oh and yeah maintaining the server <laughs> and why in the bloody heck did i ever decide to to Let's do make a that as a it. series of videos <laughs> not just one but two back to back um and it's like okay well getting back in the swing of things you know holidays are over i've actually got time back in my office again let's do a video card benchmark and this thing has been kicking my butt for the last three days like i took the weekend off because i wasn't feeling all that well and even one day i was just kind of like just i just don't feel well um and so really like tuesday morning i'm like fully back in the swing of things like let's let's go get this yeah and uh ran my benchmarks numbers weren't making sense realized i had a bad driver uh for one of the cards had to reinstall the driver had to redo all the tests for that card got those tests redone went back and started verifying my data and realized that three of my games decided to either enable uh, FreeSync or turn VSync back on when I switched settings. And so half of my results were invalid for the other card. So I had to go back and retest all the games for the other card too. This is only a two GPU showdown, but I'm doing two different resolutions. I think I'm doing nine games plus three different synthetic benchmarks. <laughs> and uh, and so each benchmark run, I don't know if anyone knows how benchmarks are done typically, but you do at least three benchmark runs, the same sequence of the same game three times for each resolution. And so to test one game is actually 369, 12 different benchmark runs. Uh, and you have to either get to that point in the game so you can run that same part of the game because honestly, the the canned benchmarks in a lot of games are pretty terrible. They don't actually give you real real world numbers. Um, so, uh, but for like GTA V, I have to play the Franklin prologue over and over and over and over again. Uh, and when you do it for two resolutions, I've now played that mission 24 times. Yep. That's for two <laughs> cards. <laughs> okay 
So you can imagine how mind-numbing it gets after a while. And then if oh, your yeah. data is wrong, <laughs> like when you go through the verification process of do these numbers actually make sense with what I've done before and what were the settings and... And by the way, GTA 5 sucks to benchmark anyway, because every time you swap out graphics cards, it goes, do you have a 5x4 monitor and want VSync on? I can handle that for you. <laughs> you need to do uh, a benchmark on just like the menu. That's it. Let's just benchmark the menu going uh, options to, to start. Oh, yeah. yeah. Frame rate. That's good. Okay, right. next. I've I've considered <laughs> trying to build like automated macros for, for the games to like mimic the input because I try to do the same runs and the same ways every single time. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how you get, you know, consistent results game to game. Now, some games are just not consistent and they're really difficult to benchmark. Um, but there's other games where I have sequences of gameplay that every, every element within the game is 100% scripted except the inputs that I'm giving it which yeah. means your benchmarks are going to be within a margin of error of about 1%. And that's pretty much where you want to hit. Um, and so, yeah, so the last two days I've been running benchmarks just for two graphics cards. And ugh, I... Now, tired. now, spoiler alert, <laughs> I, I did get a, a new graphics card. I, I'm, I'm benchmarking, benchmarking an RX 6800 and I decided just to go against the 5700X. Um, but uh, I'm already done with new graphics cards. I, I don't want any more. <laughs> <laughs> Only a couple of weeks ago, we were like, where are my graphics cards? Like, I'm done. Where's my 3080? I'm... Never mind. I don't want one. Never mind. Never uh, mind. I'm, good. I, I'm so glad I don't have one. I'm good. The, the pressures that would have been on you if yeah. you just got swamped with all of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and and there are outlets that, that do you know, all of the brand new cards and, and they do multiples of cards because not only will they get the founder's edition of the NVIDIA cards, but they'll also get, you know, the Strix and the EVGASC and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, and so they'll have to benchmark all of those cards and do all of their, you know what? Hardware Unbox, Gamers Nexus, God bless you. Um, <laughs> and now let's overclock them or try to overclock them. Right. And, and, and honestly, there is a market for that, but, but I consider myself more of a buy it off the shelf, put it in your computer and how does it perform kind of lab yeah. than I am a highly technically analytical type of lab. Yeah. Can um, we tweak it to really push right. its, its, its limits? I come at from, I come at my reviews from the standpoint of as a consumer, if I spent X money on this product, would I be happy with how I spent my money? But the almost the plug and play right. aspect. As a plug and play aspect, that's usually how I try to do a lot of my things. Now I also do a lot of off you know out of the box or you know, yeah. outside the box type projects with with things. You know, let's put this in a virtual machine or let's, I don't know, put six GPUs in a single machine <laughs> and try to stream everything. Like I, I do some weird things too. But that's for like the server and 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 weird person enthusiast crowd, not the, you know, I'm not into LN2 overclocking. And so I don't care if the VRM temps are seven degrees higher on this card than that card. It, it doesn't, to me, the average person doesn't care. Yeah, so, no, I, I, I don't And it's not that it's so. valuable information, but I don't think that's my audience and that's not my interests either. So anyway. Anyways, it sounds like you need a beer then. I do need a beer. I would, <laughs> I would very much like a beer now, please. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. What are you drinking tonight, John? I am uh, drinking a Drecker Brains 
one of those fancy smanchy uh sours jamie sours guava 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 brains yeah yes so this is uh i think comes in like seven percent okay uh, i think i'd uh i'm i'm going ipa uh for my first one that's um, my next one yeah and uh my second one's not an ipa uh my first one um uh, i think I think I drank this on the show maybe once, but it's one of my last of my seasonal beers. And so I'm going with the uh, Full Sail Brewing uh, Wreck the Halls. I can't... Hey, that's my next one. Is it? Yeah. It's a good one. It's a really yeah. good one. I, I can't remember if I drink it on a live show or if I drink it on like a, a Discord exclusive or what. Because I, I know I've had this beer on camera before, but I don't remember where. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, pr it's a pretty solid IPA. Yeah. So... It's a double, eight point six percent too. I know. I, I that would have been so funny if we if we if we both go. Well, my second beer all, is yeah. yeah. No, Dang I, it. no, I've got a stout for my second beer. So. Okay. And it's better than and it's better than your second beer. Oh well, you know what my second beer is. I mean, I can always change my second beer. Oh wait, RTX voice is on, so you can't hear me flicking the tag. Oh, you, <laughs> you. <laughs> I, I, can, I, I can compete. Uh, I, think I, I think I have an old one of those. This is an 18. So I think I have that. I think I have a duplicate of that. Do you have the 18 I purple? I think I could do that. That might be fun. That would be fun. Yeah. It could be an after. It might be a half show, half after show. Yeah. Yeah. Th this is going to bleed into the after show. I guarantee. Yeah. You. I was going to say, like, I think it's like 14, 14, three. Yeah. It's something like It's high. Something like that. Yeah. It's high. Um, I'm looking for it on here. Uh, so I'll just introduce this one now. This is the uh, the Bourbon County uh, Stout Series. Uh, 2018 Stout aged in rye whiskey barrels and blended with raspberries and blackberries. Um, and where was the percentage on this thing? It's usually on the back. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at it's the small, back. small printed. Oh, that's, uh, it's in the gold. 12.7. 12.7. 12 okay. Still really high. <laughs> and Skull says, I might know where that bottle came from. Thank you, Skull. <laughs> um, I actually got two different Bourbon County Stouts in my Christmas packages this year. So thank you, everyone. <laughs> you were all so nice. Yeah. Oh, anyway, uh, I did see a couple of good, uh, good drinks in the chat worth shouting out here before we get started. Um, Let's see, uh, London uh, Cronenborg, 5% uh, Sessionable. Sounds good. Patrick uh, is having an apple juice and 7-Up. That's all right. Uh, I've, never, I, I've never had that before. I've, I've done that. Uh, usually cranberry juice and ginger ale is, is kind of my go-to spritzer kind of drink. Um, yeah, I'm usually raspberry cranberry with a spritzer of some yeah, kind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, either that or uh, cranberry juice and ginger beer is really, really good. Mm. You get uh, that tang and bite. It, it tastes like you're drinking a cocktail, but you're not. And yeah. Oh, I love when stuff like tastes like great. that. Great. Um, let's see. Someone had some uh, barrel strength. Uh, Elijah, who was that? I know I saw it, and I scrolled past it, and I oh, there it is. Uh, William, uh, drinking some Elijah barrel. Elijah proof. Craig. Yeah. Very good stuff. That is fantastic. I think all I have right now is some small batch. Uh, I usually try to have some kind of Elijah Craig up on my shelf. Um, 
And I mm. think right now I have a 1.75 of the uh, of the small patch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, John, not you. Someone else is drinking uh, Proclamation uh, Proclamation Ale Company DIPA. Uh, unfortunately, oh. the founder passed this week due to cancer. Oh, that sucks. That's that's too bad to hear. Uh, Novella Hub drinking a Bell's Brewing Christmas Scotch Ale, seven point five percent. That sounds nice. delicious. Uh, Patrick drinking a tap water with ice. Nothing uh, wrong with that. Budney's got a Freem Hazy IPA from out in our neck of the woods. Oh, look at that! Well, uh, let's see, Reverend. Nope, nope. He didn't say what beer. No, uh, Jeep Pilot is having some Adrian Theory, uh, theory Gose. Oh, and uh, uh, Skull did open that bottle. I was wondering if he would. <laughs> Skull drinking an Evil Twin Brewing. Oh my god, he's a bozo. Imperial Age Stout in bourbon and maple syrup bar barrels. 17.2%. <sighs> really trying to one-up us. I know, I know. That's kind of <laughs> why I grabbed the bourbon County Stout was because I knew him and there's someone else in the comment or in the discord who had that bottle as well. And I went, I don't remember if I have that one. If someone sent me that, I know I've seen that label before. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't remember if I had that bottle and I don't. Otherwise I would have opened that and just, I would have gone to midnight with that one. <laughs> Evil Twin is, is kind of expensive here in Oregon. Yeah, so are. it's like, I see them. I'm like, oh, that sounds delicious. And then I look at the price tag. I'm it's like $32. 32 bucks. Yeah. yeah, like, gonna, yeah. Uh, that's, that's like a 12 pack. Yeah. You know, of, of rarest or, or, you know, like yeah. craft stuff. Yeah. Yep. No, that that's a beer that I've wanted to try for basically since I heard of it. So. All right. How how's your flag in there? I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I got a hand drinking it too. Oh, oh and I oh, and I finally uh, opened your Christmas present to me today. So. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> John got me a horn. Yes. <laughs> and it has a stand. Uh, I was looking for a beer big enough to fill it. It's a 24 ounce, and uh, so I I actually almost opened a. I have some growlettes in the in the fridge. I was thinking about opening a 32 ouncer. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> going to town. I saw, I saw it and I was like, this is fun. Yep. I get it, Jeff. <laughs> uh, it, it comes with a lanyard too, so you can take it yeah. to beer events. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when we have beer events again. <laughs> uh, oh, geez. Uh, GI Pilot says, uh, ouch, I got a 750 mil bottle of Evil Twin for 11 bucks. Ooh, yeah. yeah, no, here ouch. it's anything Evil Twin is like 25 and up. Yeah, it, it's expensive. So. Uh, even some of their, just like their regular IPAs are in like the $10 range for mm -hmm. the pint. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Any Anything specialty of theirs is is Bourbon County yeah. prices for us. Yeah. So, all right. Thank you everyone for joining us here on the show. Let's go ahead and uh, 18 minutes into it, get into the first, first <laughs> article here. That's not too bad. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of follow-up from the SolarWinds, uh, breach that occurred, well, multiple months ago, but, uh, but that was disclosed this last week. The, uh, the password one, two, three, or SolarWinds one, two, three, <laughs> who knew you shouldn't lose, use your luggage combination for your, uh, your backup servers. Um, so Microsoft has issued a statement that, uh, 
because of the solar wind breach, they had some of their source code exposed. Um, yeah. Now they are still, they're still in a postmortem on this. So this is not the full, you know, disclosure of, this is just a disclosure that the breach happened and early th- indications of what they got a hold of. This is not the full postmortem and what this does mean for the company. However, I will say Microsoft traditionally, and and they're claiming the same thing now, have such security practices that this really won't affect them that much. Um, There Mm. might be a couple of small things that come out of this as far as attack windows or vectors that you can get at Microsoft, but they don't keep all their source code in one place. They don't... uh, they don't allow it to compile without their in-house tools, which which are kept in different directories under different lock and key, and you know don't uh, weren't available in the same space. Um, and so, while yes, they had access to some source code within the Microsoft ecosystem, it's not like they have the source of the Windows kernel now. Like, yeah, those are kept in, the keys. <laughs> those are kept in different boxes with different sets of keys. And uh, so, like I said, traditionally, Microsoft has always been fantastic when it comes to best practices for for database and 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 uh, information security. When they have a breach because of their security practices, it's it's rarely a big deal with them. Um, you know, you don't see them leaking credit card numbers from from people and you don't see them because their back-end security practices are are fairly top-notch. Um, so I'm expecting a lot of that same out of out of this news. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they, they said they got some of the source codes. We don't know what part of the source code, right. what that did. I mean, all... I mean, when you kind of hear something like this, you automatically kind of sometimes think, okay, that shows you how they do their practices, which then allows people to figure out how do I break that? But again, like you said, it's so split up into so many different chunks that, okay, sure, maybe they learned how to possibly get into this one new area, but all Microsoft is going to do is They got the source code for Paint 3D or something. Yeah, exactly. That's a source code breach. And that that's, a, and that's a problem because that's still a potential attack vector. However, they they keep things such separated. And even if you had access to some aspects of Microsoft, you're not going to have them all. No. Um, and so they do a good job with, you know, not putting all their eggs in one basket and not using passwords like SolarWinds123. Oh, my God. Which, did, I tell you, did I tell you the story of this is kind of what happened to my company, too? Uh, I when because I I may have heard the story from you before <laughs> recently uh, or <laughs> like within this past well not two thousand well you know uh summer summertime mm-hmm. um essentially it was they never changed the password and this was they never changed the password from before they actually decided to have an IT team and mm-hmm. so they and. This was before they implemented me, and they were using Google Docs a lot. Uh-huh. And they continually use Google Docs. Right. And they never changed the password mm-hmm. from the day they created that first Google Docs to basically till this breach happened. Right. And someone got fired 
and they were given, but prior to that, they were given access and never taken off the list and were given the passwords. And that password is also, was also the same password for an administrative user on our server. (laughs) And so uh, essentially it was like the IT team got chewed out for a day, Mm -hmm. figured out what happened, figured out whose fault it was. And we got to chew out so many people. Yeah. Uh, because, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was the company name one, two, three. Yeah. Um, that's great. So, um, I, I have a little anecdote similar to that, um, where in my position where I was, um, I got the conversation quite often from, uh, from HR and whatnot. We're going to let this person go. And at one fifteen. We're going to have them in our office. During that time, we need you to disable all access to our, you know, to to their their accounts. Yeah. Um, and so I got that all the time. And I'd have, you know, watch reminders go off that, oh, this person needs to be blacklisted in two hours. Cool. Um, didn't happen all that often. Usually people left on good terms, but in cases where we need to fire people, and especially where it was, you know, with grievances, uh, yeah. we would terminate immediately. Um, well, there was one case that came up um and without giving any specifics at all um that uh there might be a situation that that comes up where this person will need to be terminated and will know after like 2 p.m today um so this person also has vpn access full network access i mean they weren't it but they were they were low or they were high level as far as what they needed access to. Um, and, uh, they, they had VPN access in through, through routes that I didn't even use and, and, and all kinds of different things. And, uh, and we got like two hours notice on this. Like this was like (laughs) on my lunch break. They said, so this might happen. We need you to think about this. And, and luckily we have pretty good policies that we kept as far as, uh, what to do in situations like this. Uh, but we had never gone to like quite high level with that before. Like what happens if we need to fire the CFO? <laughs> kind of thing. We had never gone to that level. It's, it's always been like, you know, tier three and down kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so all of a sudden in two hours, we needed to come up with a plan for what happens if this person is terminated. And, uh, and while, while me and, and my second in commander are in this meeting uh, with the CEO, the CEO goes, also, I want to make one thing very clear. If I ever have to have this conversation with one of you about the other person, I'm not going to ask you to disable their passwords. I'm just going to give that person a knife. <laughs> 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 yeah. Just slowly behind Jeff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So the, so that's how we were going to know that we were fired. <laughs> You'd be on the floor. Oh, what? Oh, okay. Okay. I get it. I get it. Yep, yep. <laughs> Keep going. Keep stabbing. Yep. Yep. Just finish me off. Just finish cool. me off. I, I got it. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> 
so, yeah. said artery, damn it. <laughs> yep. Um, so anyway, uh, back to the Microsoft breach. Uh, their direct quote from the from the breach was, we detected unusual activity with a small number of internal accounts. And upon review, we discovered one account had been used to view source code in a number of source code repositories. The account did not have permission to modify any code or engineering systems, and our investigation further confirmed no changes were made. And so again, Microsoft has great internal policies for, for change log, for access rights, for all kinds of different things. And, uh, and we ran very similar uh, use cases for this. Uh, my CEO would go, well, I should be able to see everything on the network share. I said, no, you shouldn't. He goes, well, why? I'm the, I'm the CEO. And it's, well, yeah. But do you need access to this at any given time? Or does the director of that department need access to that all the time? And then they answered you. Oh, well, I guess I don't need to see it like every day. I said, okay, then you need to rely on the people that you have in charge to do X things. Because the more things I give you access to, the worse it is if there's ever a breach. If you ever yeah, click well, on that invoice.pdf from yeah, random well, company that all of a sudden exactly. you have outstanding bills. Um, or the repeated direct, uh, direct phishing attacks that we would receive from the CEO to the CFO saying, can you send me a list of all of our employees' earnings and, and social security numbers? I'm, oh, yeah. I'm at a conference on, you know, Friday at 3 p.m. And I'm really sorry that this is last minute, but it's for this federal thing and blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. And, we, uh, we get constantly fish of that of yeah. our owner's name and be like, we want to do this. And we're like, no, this is crap. Our owner doesn't even use email. Right. <laughs> It was like, that's how we know this is fake. Right. Like, there's no way he would just yell. <laughs> right. But uh, but companies all over get directly fished. If, if you have oh, yeah. a website and your contact information is listed, you will get directly fished. Um, because they don't know what you're worth, what they can possibly get access to. But hey, more more information is more information. Yep. Um. Best thing is never give the CEO access to everything because they don't look at everything and chances are they will be the first to be targeted in a phishing attack. Exactly. Yep. And 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 me as the CTO was, if you don't need access to it, you don't get access to it. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the CEO himself. You can fire me over it because I'm not going to have that personal liability on myself for the company to come back at me and say, hey, well, you, you know, didn't treat our data pro with the proper security practices, let alone, you know, if if an investigator comes in or, or we get audited by, by some company. I'm not going to have that liability on me. And we did get crypto locked a couple of times. And because of our security practices, uh, one of them, we ended up, being down for like 42 minutes. Uh, we had, I want to say 200 gigs of data encrypted and we were literally back up and running in 42 minutes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because we had proper checks and balances and security practices and, and <laughs> snapshots and everything else that were running. Yeah, I know. You're um, like, I don't care. D right. Take that data. I don't, uh, lock it up. Another time we had a, a privileged user who insisted on having full privilege of everything below him. And, uh, and at the time it was like, that's ah, not that big a deal. Fine. Um, he got crypto locked. He clicked on a link and he got crypto locked. And that was 1.3 terabytes of data. And, Jeez. and we were down for nine hours. That one took a little bit longer. And that one was also a variant that we had to make sure that no data was exfiltrated. And so mm -hmm. that one, we had to go through a, quite a few more Actually hoops before we stuff, yeah. turned data back on. Um, but yeah, um, if any, 
any fledgling IT managers are out there, any any database administrators, any if a user doesn't require access to information directly at their workstation for a job function, they don't get access. End of discussion. And if they want to fire you over it, find another place to work because you don't want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. If they bitch about it, just trust me, it's in your best interest. Mm -hmm. You explain that to them. If they're sitting there saying, no, 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 just do it this way. Trust me. Yep. In the long run, you're going to be the guy that saved that company that one time. Right. And your boss is going to sit there. Now you're worth it. And 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 you know what else? The one time they get fished, if you have a CEO or or someone above you who says, no, because I said so, you have to give, give me access, blah, blah, blah. Guess who's going to fall on that sword? Yeah. So just floating it out there for any fledgling administrators. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be the guy that falls on the sword. <laughs> Speaking of falling on the sword. Um, uh, so Zixel. Uh, is in the news this week for uh, all the wrong reasons. Yeah, <laughs> I never even heard of them honestly. Tell this, tell this. Uh, uh, I, I'm aware article. of who Zixel is. I, I know they're they're a, a, a network hardware manufacturer OEM. They're they're not one of the big five. They're they're not Unify, HPE, Cisco, Meraki. Yeah. Um, you know they're, they're not one of the the big players in the the networking space. But they're they're up there. They're Palo Alto, you know, they have their niche and they and they fill it quite well. Well, that niche may become a little bit smaller. <laughs> um, I don't know how many people are going to trust them now. Yeah, and and I'm I'm guessing on Zixel for pronunciation because that's what makes sense to me. Zixel, Zizel, Zizel. I don't know. Z y x e l for those wondering. Um, anyway, uh. Remember how we said many, many times on this show that uh, there's no such thing as a safe backdoor. There's no such thing as a, uh, you know, access only for the good guys kind of thing. Um, well, that kind of rings true because apparently uh, Zixel in their firewalls, VPN, gateways, and more uh, had an undocumented root user. Um and so here's the username and password. If you have a Zixel router, you can type it in right now and find and, out and if get you a, have get, full access. Yeah. <laughs> just look at the article. Um, I don't think we'll say it, but you just let it in the article. Right. So this was a fully undocumented user and password. Um and uh uh gave you unfettered root access to everything within that system. Um there I mean, was you got to at least give it up to at least the password is somewhat kind of complicated. It, it is, you know. You know, it, it's not it's not Microsoft one two three. It's not. It's not Zixel one two three. Yeah. So at least at least there's that. It's not admin admin or Zixel Zixel. So thank. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, the username. Nah. <laughs> uh, that for a username, that's fine. Username yeah. is usually stored plain text, but if you hash your passwords properly, sure. You know, um, you don't want, you know, imagine if that was the username. Imagine if the password was the username and the password was even like, you even have more, to give yeah. and take. And yeah. and honestly, ZYFFWP, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll take that for a username. Um, but yeah, 
Uh, I'm sure it was for support use or for testing, and we forgot uh, from J- uh, Jay Beverin. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure that's a great story to go with, and that's probably what they'll say in whatever press release they, they end up with. Um, but the point is, there's an undocumented root user in your hardware. That's a problem. And the reason that's a problem is if I don't own every single username, password, credential that has access to my system, I don't own the device. I can't secure the device. Um, And uh, so there is a firmware update coming to most of these devices. And and in fact, some of the devices already have the firmware. uh, Jay Beverin, someone said my name right. Woot, thanks. It took me a second. It did take me a second. The... D-E-V-R, like my eyes weren't wanting to read that. So I'm glad I got it. Thank you. From someone who has an obscure last name. Thank you. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, there are updates out that you can update the firmware and be rid of this account. Or chances are that most people aren't going to update their firmware because that's usually how IT goes in industries that use products like this. Which like, are, no, don't touch it. It's working great. Yeah, don't touch it. Right. Right. We've got nine years of uptime. You know what that means? We haven't updated <laughs> the firmware for nine years. That's what that means. Um, so yeah, uptime used to be like a, a, a badge of honor that, that old DBAs would, would wear on a sash kind of thing. Um, <laughs> anymore, it's, it's a mark. I got of, my 10 year sash. Right. Right. <laughs> Uh, I will say that I decommissioned a switch that had an uptime of nine years one time. Ooh, I was very really? proud of that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, things like this are, are a major problem. Backdoors, backdoor accounts, undocumented user accounts are a major problem because regardless of, oops, we left it in there or it was put in there intentionally, it's there and it's there forever on a good number of devices because not every device will receive a firmware update. Um, not every device gets a firmware update even if you release a firmware update. And if it was there on purpose, it was an oops, we got found, not a, you know. <laughs> Novella Hub, try to Shakopee uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> Shakopee, did I finally get it right? Shakopee. 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 That's like people. That's like people saying Willamette or Shamawa. Shama, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shamawa. Puyallup. <laughs> or Malala. 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 Yeah, we we got a lot of good ones over here. Uh, the Willamette River. Yes, yeah, I know Willamette. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. The, the password exists, the username exists, and it's a it's a thing that you can't lock down. Um, and so this is why backdoors are a bad thing because eventually, even with best security practices, a username and password combination will leak because if someone has it and it's in plain text somewhere, it exists everywhere. And it will exist everywhere because, well, the bad guys are really good and they only have to be right once. Whereas the good guys have to be right all of the time. And oh, that's, yeah. that's what DevSec teaches you. Um, 
Um, I mean, you know, when that, second, this, this, all of that, that's what that teaches you is yeah, you have to be right you, all the time. You know, when this article hit, everyone just went in like, I'm going to go use this. Tell, you know, try to find that one person that didn't update. Yeah. You know, yep. um, for anyone who's ever looked at a corporate firewall log of, of blocks per second and, and looked at like data as it's coming in real time, most of the blocks that you will see are looking for a honeypot. They're looking for an open SSH tunnel with admin admin as the credentials. They're looking for an open telnet. They're looking for RDP. They're looking for commonly accessible network standard protocols that are unprotected or poorly protected. And you'll see very common username and password combinations come through in those if you have your firewall set up to verbose the logs. And so one of my favorite pastimes was to watch our firewall and look for obscure username and password combinations and write those down and find out who they belonged to. And it's like, oh, look at this. This, this was a default password combination for a Linksys router in 2007 that was leaked and, and they never changed. And it was the default password for like 80,000 routers that they produced. Guess yeah. what? It showed up in my firewall verbose logs. And, uh, this one's going to be added to that now, because if anyone set up, you know, remote access for their, their server, you know, you set this device up in a remote client's office and that's their firewall and comp and switch combo. Yep. It's accessible now and yep. not by you. You're, <laughs> you're screwed. And you, you won't know if anyone did it either, unless you're actually paying attention, like you said, all the time, which a lot of places aren't. My employees have contests every Friday to see who, if someone can get PowerShell administrator access to the domain server. <laughs> That's good. Internal, internal, uh, white hatting is awesome. Fire chat by craft computing, looking at logs. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. This was a good one. 10 Oh three Oh seven PM. <laughs> As Jeff sitting there smoking a pipe in his jacket. Yeah. <laughs> My mm. Christmas jacket. Yeah. <laughs> 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 fireside <laughs> fireside logs with craft computing that's it that's that's a that's 2021's uh winter uh specialty yeah. video for jeff yeah there we go what do you think about getting something like a powerful spc and a dumb switch for a small office that's a question with not nearly enough variables to answer um, SBC is a router. Are you talking like, uh, like one of the Nook, uh, or Atom based, uh, or Celeron based, I guess they are now Celeron based PF sense boxes and a dumb switch. Sure. It could work. Do you need VLANs? Because if you need VLANs, then you can't set up uh, a VLAN with an unmanaged switch. Um, there's a lot more there. So with a monocle and a raised eyebrow, of course, I thought that was implied. Um, <laughs> Two fingers and two fingers of scotch and a glass on an end table. My man. Um, two fingers. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, there's a dozen ways to skin a cat. Uh, SBC for retro computing. SBC absolutely for retro computing. I've I've got a number of them. Um, you can do a lot of cool things with uh, with Odroids and Raspberry Pi fours. You can do a lot of cool things. Oh yeah. Um. Anyway, moving on. Uh. Linux has been ported to a new 
set of hardware. And it's <laughs> one that I didn't I expect to see coming. I didn't expect this one either. But I really want to play Doom on it. <laughs> I really do. Okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I kind of want to... Uh, I have access to an N64. I don't have mine anymore. But I do have access to an N64. Um, I want to get a flash cart just so I can run Linux and play Doom on it. Because I think that would be fun. Just to well, just to say I've done it. Just to say, well, so you're you're talking not Doom sixty four, right? Not Doom sixty four. Okay, because that's oh right. yeah, because I was like, are you talking nineteen ninety three ID Doom? Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh no, I sold mine a long time ago. I'm sure you could find one, you know, eBay sure or something. I'm sure I could. Super cheap. the The problem is, uh, they're now nostalgic. Like GameCubes aren't 20 bucks anymore. GameCubes are now like $80 if you have a working power supply because they, we've hit that nostalgia age where it's like, oh, 15 years ago, I had a GameCube and I played Soul Calibur 2 with my roommates all the time, which is yeah. why I wanted a GameCube now <laughs> because yeah. because I, no, God, that was more than 15 years ago. Crap. Oh my gosh, 100 bucks. 100 bucks for a working GameCube with a power supply. No, 64. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, 64 did the same thing. A hundred hundred yeah. bucks right now for it a used to single. Be, it used to be I could go to a Goodwill and pick up a GameCube for five bucks. Oh yeah, no. So eBay has it uh ninety-nine bucks and sixty-four single controller, sixteen dollars shipping. So you're talking actually hundred and fifteen dollars. Yeah. Yep. Ridiculous. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh my gosh. BFG nine thousand. Yeah, no, I want to play OG Doom on an N sixty four running Linux. Anyway, <laughs> if you hadn't guessed, Linux has now been ported to the most unexpected of platforms, the Nintendo sixty four. <laughs> and honestly, I just think that's great. <laughs> I don't need to what? say much more on it. Who who would have thought of like yeah yeah that's the one I'm gonna export it to. Let's mm -hmm. have it be able to run on N sixty four. It was probably just like on the guy sh the developer shelf and be like. That's a challenge. Yeah. He just he just saw it like, that's a challenge. Right. I'm bored. Has anyone done that yet? Yeah, that, that's, I'm that's I'm really gonna. what it was. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's probably what it's like. Well, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? I don't I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Uh and uh according to the article, this is on Hackaday. Um, this was not a Linux port from 1996 when the hardware was new either. This is actually using the modern 5.1 kernel. This is a yeah. brand new compilation of Linux on the N64. So it's kind of fun. Uh, I I don't even remember how much RAM the N64 had. I do know it was a MIPS processor. Um, remember remember MIPS? <laughs> Probably <laughs> no. not because I... See, back in those days, I was into handhelds. And so, oh, okay. you know, Palm OS and, and oh. you know... Sony Clies and, and all that. I was into that, or clicks as as they became known. There's a little thing over the E. It's a Clie. Um, but uh yeah, so I was into those, and so I'm familiar with what the MIPS processor is, and the MIPS 64 was in the N64. But uh I don't know that I've ever seen Linux run natively on one. So <laughs> or 5.10, excuse me. 5.10 oh. kernel, not 5.1. Yes. But still, this is this would be a, a interesting, fun, fun little thing to see. But again, like you're saying now, unfortunately, it's just it's nostalgic, to, or it, it's it's now considered a rare retro item that's going to cost you money. So if you don't already have an N64, 
um, and you don't want to run Linux on it. You know, you want to keep it as original as possible. Right. Um, so it is like, okay, let's go waste a hundred bucks. Uh, you know, is it is it worth it? <laughs> it's totally not, but it'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but okay. Who's who's gonna sit there and be like, dude, come check out my my new Linux? It runs on a sixty four. Yeah, I know you, but who you who are you gonna show other than the three of us? <laughs> the three of you. <laughs> My wife just go. <sighs> exactly. <laughs> Although your kids will be like, cool, is this what you used to play on? You're like, well, technically no, but <laughs> um yeah, so I I spent my weekend so so um like I had, we, we all had the holidays and everything else. And, and, and I was just like burned out from the couple of videos that I did prior. And I'm like, you know what? I need to do something fun. And so I got pop OS up and running on a win GPD two. <laughs> That's how I spent my time off was tinkering <laughs> with that. And it's running perfectly. And in fact, I think it's going to be my daily driver. Yeah, um, that'll be fun. So, uh, I have, uh, the touchscreen is having issues, but it turns out it's a hardware issue, not a software issue. Um, I tried putting Windows on it, and the touchscreen was like wigging out. And I went, oh, it's probably just the drivers. You know what? Maybe yeah. I'll install Linux. Maybe that'll fix it. Uh, after I already swapped out the cable, and the cable turned out not to be the issue either, which is the common problem with the WinGPD2. But uh, no one cares about what I'm talking about right now. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I use Arch, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so if uh, if a vegan CrossFitter also runs Arch as a home operating system, what do they tell you about first? <laughs> there's, uh, there's literally 152 of us. <laughs> <laughs> Did I miss the breakfast sandwich maker review? I haven't filmed it yet, but I'm going to just for the Patreon <laughs> or just for the, the premium members. Uh, yep. <laughs> and and by the way, I tweeted about this earlier in the week. Who in the world clicks on a video for Windows deployment services that's 33 minutes long just to comment, well, you wouldn't have to do this if you ran Arch. I, I run Windows, or I, I run Linux, so I don't have to deal with any of this. I'm so glad I kissed it goodbye 18 years ago. I'm I'm not like just pretending to be Linux guy right there. I'm quoting verbatim. <laughs> Comment 50 plus comments that I got on that video. Well, just run Linux and you wouldn't have to do any of this. Yeah, except I still need to run Windows. Like like most people. Right, right. You know, well that that, that was basically everyone who first discovered Linux would be like, "You know, you could just use Linux, right? right. It's so much better." Yeah, some things. Right. It does some things remarkably well. There's other things that it do, that it can't do, that I need to do, that it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> but so, for that one thing right. that you're doing a video on, right. and, it does it way better. And, and I've said this before. I'm not an OS guy or a hardware guy. I'm a tool guy. What tool does the job right now the best or the most efficiently? That's what I'm about. If if Linux does 98% of things more efficiently than Windows, you know what? I'll switch over to Linux. Full time, full stop. Uh, I've thought about doing it on my video editing rig, just going full DaVinci Resolve and Fedora. 
I've completely considered it. In fact, I had a test rig built just to test it out. And you know what? It didn't do better than my Windows rig with Premiere as sucky as Premiere is. So I'm still on Windows. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> it was out of context. <laughs> I use Manjaro on my main machine. I have Pop! OS in a, in a VM on my main workstation. I do use it for some things. However, it doesn't do my video editing. It doesn't do a lot of the other things that I need it to do, so it can't be my daily driver. No. That said, I've used Linux machines as my daily driver for, for web browsing, email, and, and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but... Yeah, for startup and just browsing, it doesn't do everything it works great. Yet. And if it doesn't do no. everything, which Windows can do everything and Mac can do everything, it's kind of hard to say I can switch over from everything. Yeah. You see? Well, well yeah, no. but you can use GIMP instead of Photoshop. Have you ever used Photoshop? That's like saying use Corel. Right. No one, no one needs Excel. Just, just use one, two, three Lotus. <laughs> Google Docs basically has the exact same thing as Excel. So just right. do that. Is Premiere so much better than Resolve? I'm not saying Premiere is better than Resolve. I'm saying for my workflow, uh, Premiere worked better. Now I was trying it when I was doing uh, H.264 based video. Now that I'm on ProRes video, Resolve may be a better option. However, Resolve does have a learning curve that is outside of what my learning curve on Adobe Premiere was. And do I want to take the time to learn, you know, resolve or would I rather just get through the video edit and move on to the next one? Yeah. You're already a master of one tool. Why spend the time to go and right. You know, figure out how to be decent at that tool. And you know, you're only going to say what 20, 20% right. speed efficiency. Exactly. So. And, and how much time does it take me to get there? And so it's yeah. not that I don't, want to or haven't thought about it or i'm just i'm a hardcore windows fanboy no i'm a whatever works well for me now and yeah. you know what has worked for the last 30 years windows <laughs> i'm used to it i know how to navigate it i know there are flaws in it it's not perfect i yeah. think i demonstrated that very well over the 33 minute video and if what you <laughs> took out of that is i'm a windows fanboy you did not watch that video <laughs> well they probably just saw the title I almost wish there was some way of doing like timestamps of when they commented on the video. I mean, like, oh, they only saw like two minutes and they commented. No wonder why. <laughs> Ed says, bring out the gimp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I hate the, you have to be one or the other. I've never been one or the other. Um, yeah, you were an uh, Apple guy for a long time. I was an Apple guy for a long time because you know what? Apple did everything that I, need, that I needed to do and it was more efficient than Windows. Guess what? When all of a sudden it became about the Flash and iMessage integration and everything else and they stopped caring about the core operating system, I moved right back to Windows. Like, <laughs> my last two laptop purchases were were Windows laptops because I fell out of love with Mac OS and, and all the things that they were trying to ram down your throat. Now, yet again, I bought a MacBook Pro based on the M1 because it seems to be the best machine at the time. And guess what? After testing it for about a month now, holy crap, do I love this thing. Guess what? It's not Windows. Yeah. So, Go on ARM base now, baby. Now, I do kind of want to see what will happen when like the Ubuntu 
uh, arm release comes out because they've been kind of talking about it. Um, I kind of want to test boot camping and dual booting the the MacBook Pro M1 with Ubuntu on it as well. Hmm. Just, just to see what would happen. Anyway, I don't know how N64 runs Linux now got us into Manjaro <laughs> versus Arch, but here we are. <laughs> anyway, let's go ahead and move on. Um, so anyone who has a Supermicro X9 E3 motherboard, and they are very prevalent. Um, they are very highly used boards. Um Maybe not right now. Maybe not right now. Uh, so apparently, we were all worried about Y2K, but we were about 21 years too early. Uh, Supermicro has been made aware of a new bug with their X9 E3 boards that the system will essentially soft lock during post after December 31st, 2020. <laughs> so last week. Right. Um, you will be met with a, with a BIOS issue or with a, basically a black screen. Uh, if you try to reboot your system after December 31st, uh, you can clear the CMOS and get back into the BIOS. Uh, but if the clock rolls past 2020, no bueno. (laughs) (laughs) So this is exactly what we feared back in, in the year 2000. This is exactly what people got paid millions of dollars to try to avoid. And it never ended up being a problem outside of a couple very niche systems. Yeah. Um, but this is literally the Y2K bug. This is literally systems shut down at, at you know, on December 31st at midnight. And now we didn't launch all of our nukes because those are still based on five-inch floppy disks. Uh, <laughs> or eight-inch floppy disks, excuse me. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so we didn't launch all the nukes, but at the same time, a lot of people's PFSense integrated builds are no longer booting. In fact, uh, since I posted the 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 article notes, uh, a couple of people have reached out to me and said, yeah, our PFSense box is based on one of these boards and it's dead in the water until we get a BIOS update. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we'll start seeing hardware uh, 2030 ready stickers. Uh, you know what? I'm thinking about printing off a couple, like, like 2022 ready. <laughs> you know what? That would make a craft computing certified 2022. ready. That would make a great shirt. 2022 ready. So ready to be done with this crap. <laughs> I want to go to Vegas again. <laughs> I want to go for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> this was supposed to be my year. <laughs> You know how it works, John. You miss one. It, we I don't. Know, I'm we don't push gotta, the others back. You got to wait your turn. Your turn again. That's uh, how it works. I'm, I'm gonna like make Rhett sick before. <laughs> Just make him pop out another kid. Yeah, I'll be like, ah, oh, go, go, go here, Rhett. Uh, nine months beforehand, I'm gonna be like, Rhett, here you go. Oh, a coupon for a date night with your wife and a hotel and some champagne and chocolate. Oh, you're 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 welcome, buddy. <laughs> Nine months later, <laughs> yep. Jeff, I can't go to CES. Oh, darn, man. Darn it. Darn it. Hey, Steve, you went last year. You want to do that? 
Sorry, you're next in line. <laughs> I was going to be like, Steve, see this beer? I was like, come on, I'll trade you. <laughs> I got a Mother of All Storms 2018. <laughs> I gave him a, for Christmas, a Mother of All Storms 2015. Oh. So Ooh. that was that was his Christmas present. Yep. Uh, Michael says, I live in Vegas, so it's depressing not seeing CES being set up. Um, yeah. Uh, in my timeline this week, all, all my like, you know, you were here last year photos. Um, it's me having lunch in the Bellagio with a lot of cool people. And it's, it's me standing on top of the palms, looking at the Vegas nightscape. You know, that's usually where I am this week and then, and then you saw jason and you're like ah oh, I don't miss that well i saw jason but we had taken him to a brewery and so he was drinking a craft beer and so <laughs> jason was actually fun that night um because <laughs> like holy crap this is 11 percent. i don't taste anything i know <laughs> that's why it's so delicious <laughs> um but no so i was i was looking at photos from this week last year and it's like as much as a lot of people in the media will will say CES is a dog race, and it really is. CES is a bunch of 18-hour days with zero sleep and a whole bunch of stress and walking 40 miles because that's the only way to get around. And so you walk eight miles a day through hotels, and, and all the luxury in the world, you don't care about it because you're just sore and hungry and thirsty and pissed off. But at the same time, Vegas is itself its own little world, uh, especially oh, yeah. when you live an entire week on the Vegas Strip, where time is non-existent. It doesn't matter. You can walk into a casino at any point. It is the same activity going on. And it looks the same. And the lights are the you, same. You just hear that bell, ding, all those bells dinging. Right. You hear that bell dinging or you hear the, the roulette wheel going and, and whatnot. And you're just kind of walking through. Now, in three years in Vegas, I have only spent about $20 on slots. That's literally all I've done as far as like gambling. Now, I've been in enough casinos and walked through them all, you know, to last a lifetime. But at the same time, the environment is still kind of exciting um and there's still lots to do lots to look at you know it's very oh, there's, it's very there's the energy in the air right there's energy in the air and uh and and as much as it is a dog race it is a gauntlet to get through it it's also a little bit of a creative recharge it's a little bit of a this is not the normal life you go there you get some juices flowing creatively from like, oh, this new product is coming out. I can do this with it. I can try this. Oh, that's going to be cool to look at. And you get home and you're pumped to try to get the next stuff out. And we're not going to get that this year. And and so for being right out of the holidays, um, for the last three years, it's been something I look forward to until the moment that I fly. And then I'm not one who likes to fly. Uh, I'm always cramped because I'm six foot five and no one builds chairs for anyone taller than five foot four. If you've ever been on an airliner, you know that. Um, but uh, it's uncomfortable to fly. I, I I don't do well on flights, but I still do them because screw the bus. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you land, you get checked into your hotel, you kind of set up your schedule for the next couple of days and, and, and you try to unwind. You go have a couple of drinks and, and whatnot. 
And then you just kind of get into the rhythm. And when you're in the rhythm, you are energized the whole time. And being energized and being dog tired are two completely different things. You're dog tired the entire time too, because you're also sleeping about three hours a night. Yeah. But you're energized the whole time. And then when you get back, you sleep for a day and then you are energized when you wake up. And it's, it really is an escape. And that's how it's hit me all the last three years. And I was so looking forward to that same thing this time around as well. <laughs> and, and here I am after the holidays and I'm a little bit tired and it's groggy and bleak and foggy and rainy in Oregon. And I'm looking out the window to our, you know, seven hours of daylight. If we even get yep. that through the clouds right now. And I'm going, man, I'd rather be in Vegas. <laughs> I'd rather be in Vegas just walking those 14 hours. Just that little bit of a sunshine break, you know, that kind of thing. And so I miss it. I'm going to miss it. Yeah. I mean, we can always mail like uh, Jason some craft beers and then we can eat both box. We'll mail him some ca Capri Suns. Some Sunkissed. Some some kiss. Some surprise. And, <laughs> it's like the same thing. John thought you drank this. It sounded interesting. <laughs> it's orange based. Come on. We it's it's just non-carbonated. Hey, who doesn't love a Capri Sun from the just, bottom? Just call it Craft Sun Kissed. Oh, Roaring <laughs> Rapids. I haven't had that one. <laughs> uh yeah, I'm just doing Cherry Blast. All right. <laughs> Bought yeah, this one just for the label. <laughs> <laughs> limited edition oh yeah 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 so yeah i'm i'm gonna miss vegas this year and that feels weird to say because i'm always so happy to go home to like like it's kind of this weird thing like don't get me wrong like it's a dog race it's a you're you're dead tired at the end of it but you're also energized you're energized by it and you also get to see people that you literally see once a year. And some people you see 20 minutes a year because you only have chance to, to rub shoulders with them that one time in that one suite that you happen to bump into each other at. And you do a year's worth of ketchup in 20 minutes. And then it's, you know, hey, good luck to you, man. Have fun. You know, I love your stuff. It's, it's awesome. Great to meet you. Great to do this. And then you're off to the next thing. And... It's like, I'll see you next year. There's literally a guy in town uh, who lives 15 minutes from me. The only time I ever see him is in Vegas because we're both so busy. <laughs> but he goes to CES. I go to CES. He lives 15 minutes from me. I only ever see him in Vegas. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, if you have a Supermicro motherboard, be on the lookout for upcoming BIOS updates. Uh the some of the boards boot, some of them don't. Some of them soft lock, some of them hard lock. Some of them do various different things. It boots up eventually if you give it some time. Uh, check out some documentation. They are still working through what exactly the bug is, but look for an update soon. Yep. Uh, we did skip over one article. I didn't know if you did want to talk about it or not. It didn't. Didn't know. It was right after the did firewall. Yes, you did. Okay. The AMD desktop. Oh. CPU. Uh, I can give that note real quick. Yeah, I don't know if it's, it's, uh, like I said it was. Yeah, it's a note. Um, I wrote it down. It was one of the first things that popped up this week, and it's like, oh, there's actually more to talk about. I um, actually I deleted it earlier, and I was like, oh wait, this article is posted on my notes. To look, but it's not in the notes. Oh, okay. Right, right. 
Um, so AMD for the first time since, what was it, 2007? I don't have the notes up. So I think it was 2007. For the first time since 2007, AMD has more, 2006, has, Six, yep. has more desktop market share than Intel. They are over that, I want to say, 48% hump. They are 50.6. Um, 50.6. Yeah. So. For uh, Intel's 49.4. Yep. Um, surprisingly, server market share still isn't trending upwards for AMD, and I'm really not sure why. They're holding steady at like 2.5%. That's the weird one to me. Um, yeah. Because. And, and actually, it looks like Intel actually went up just a hair. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll post these up here. So this is the overall CPU market share. One-to-one -one CPUs, doesn't matter what platform it's on. Um, you can see AMD sitting about 38% at this point. And that's everything from your desktops and laptops to games consoles, servers, everything in between. Yep. If it's got an AMD geode in a Cisco 5105, it made the list. Um, which by the way, the... Cisco 5105 does have an AMD geode 500 megahertz x86 processor in it. The more you know. <laughs> um, to desktop market share right here. So you can see AMD 50.06 or 50.6% and Intel has fallen below the 50th percentile uh, with 49.4%. Yeah. Um, so that's one to kind of keep an eye on. Apparently, Cyrix is still a thing, I guess. Uh, uh, with less than 0.1%, I would guess. Um, and then laptop market share. Here's the other interesting one to me, is I expected AMD to be gaining more ground than they have, but apparently they're kind of falling back off because I guess people are drinking the 10th gen Kool-Aid, I guess. Um well, didn't their price? Didn't Intel's prices go? Their SKUs go way down. Their pricing also dropped quite significantly. So maybe they're, you know, doing the best bang for the buck kind of thing right now. I haven't yeah. looked at the, at the Intel market, as far as laptops that are currently available. And honestly, tenth gen didn't excite me all that much over ninth gen. So why why bother? Uh, Cirrus is part of Via now. Yeah, I think I knew that. I think I knew that. But no, Via is still a thing. I know they are still a thing. They still produce x86 chips. Good luck finding one. Um, and then, yeah, here's the one that really shocks me is that Epic is not gaining more ground yet. Like, I've actually lost a little bit. This is all based on, on various reporting. So you have to find the average over like six or eight cycles. It's not like... All of a yeah, sudden, no. at, from two and a half percent, now they're down to 0.8. No, it's just that's the reports they got at this certain time. It's kind of like the Steam hardware survey. You have to look at the last three hardware surveys, not just like, oh, 17% of people have a GTX 1060. No. Yeah. It goes deeper than that. Which is very interesting. Statistics if are even, hard. Yes. Because even if you look at it, you would think it would have started picking up around that 2018 mark. And it well, late 2000 or mid 2017 is when AMD Epic launched. Yeah. And um, it was July 2017. And we knew first gen was going to be like a 
test so run. Give us a couple test yeah. boxes. Um, when Epic Rome launched, I expected it to start eating in more than 2%, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, I expected 8 to 10% market share by this point in time. So I'm, I'm actually a little bit surprised by these numbers here. Um, but no, according to, uh, to pass Mark still sitting around that two to two and a half percentile mark. Um, so. Yep. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Uh, but yeah, the desktop stuff, actually, that is kind of interesting. Kind of the stuff we've, we've been talking on the show for the past two years that that eventually is going to happen mm-hmm. and it is starting to see it. Although AMD's Intel price, are there? Sorry, AMD's chip prices are starting to rise now, though. Nice pun. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, yes and no, but compared to a lot of the Intel Xeon offerings, yeah, similar. Unless you are Amazon and you get SKUs built specifically for you, like eighteen core SKUs that are off the books, so you don't have to drop the price of your twenty eight eighty. Instead, you can just offer an eighty one forty instead for, you know, seventy percent off. Look at Wendell's video on the eighty one twenty four CPUs, <laughs> <laughs> which I did consider getting one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'd use it for. I already have a 32 core Epic that I like, don't I want use. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I'll buy it and it's going to sit on that shelf over there. I kind of want to sell that chip and buy a Rome CPU just to have it. <laughs> I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm not going to build with it. I just nope. want to have it. Well, I just want like a 24 core 3.2 gigahertz Epic chip to like, put on my shelf yep and just be like oh check it out every now and then you know when people do that chip battle like oh i got this chip i got this if you're like oh yeah boom. i got this one too. Yeah. boom yeah suck it yeah the the only chips i can do that with right now um i do have still an x99 or a 2011 3 uh it's the 2678 12 core i do still have one of those um i have my threadripper 1900x that's in a in its retail box up here and then I have an i7 7820X that's I just took out of my streaming PC and replaced with the 10, with the 10850K. Um, so yeah, I mean I've I've got chips, I've I've got I've got some good stuff, but <laughs> you know that that 7501 is is definitely the that's the the crown jewel of my collection, yep. the 32 core Epic, and it's a first gen Epic, but I really want a second gen Epic, so. Uh, maybe I'll start getting those for for reviews and consideration. How's All your right. beer? I was about to say I have a problem. I don't know how yeah, you're me, doing. Me too. Um, I can. If you want to go, are are you gonna use yours? You're gonna do a different one. You gonna do that? I think I'm gonna do this one. Okay. Uh, so you go. Okay, okay. So so are you gonna like? Are you gonna try I, to match or beat? I can. I, I'd have to go look for it. Okay. Uh, I can give you a minute. Uh, I can give you a minute right. while I'm opening right. this one. All right. Cool. All right. Be right. All right. So yet again, if you weren't here at the very beginning of the show, um, I decided to uh, well go big and stay home. Uh, so this is the Goose Island Bourbon County Stout 2018, uh, and this is not the standard stout. 
This is the aged in rye barrel whiskeys uh, and blended with raspberry and blackberries. So this should be a fruity, bourbony, rye oaky, freaking dance on your tongue stout. Um, or at least that's really what I'm hoping for. And thank you again to Skull, who sent this over as a Christmas present. You rock. All right. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Are you opening the same one, John? I have duplicates. Yeah, you're doing the same one. 2018. Yeah. 2018, okay. baby. Cheers, buddy. <laughs> Tink. The, the, the fruit smell on this is amazing. I can already tell you that much. All right. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, man. Although mine is actually quite cold. Uh, yeah, mine's I been can... sitting on the desk for an hour. I, I took yeah, this out of the I... fridge, so. I can I can feel it. I just took mine out of the fridge and I can yep. feel it. It is quite cold. Yeah. Mmm, that smells delicious. Wow. How long has it been since we had the same beer on a Talking Heads? Uh, when was the last time I was on? <laughs> right. Uh, well, Rhett and I actually did that with a... Gosh. I think it was a Prismatic. We, we did a Prismatic from Nikasi. Oh, okay. Where we both we both went to the store on the same day because we needed beer for the show and went, you know what? This one, like a juicy IPA just sounded like it would hit the spot. And I think that was like an August. So it's been a while since I've shared a beer with anyone on camera. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right. Oh. Hmm. 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 Okay. So what are your thoughts? Um, well, for one, it, my, mine's quite cold. Yeah. So I don't know if it's that, but the body's actually quite thin to me. It's thin. It tastes thin uh, to me. Um, the fruit notes are almost a little souring for me. Yeah. Yeah, this is... Uh, the nose is like dark chocolate cake with like a raspberry filling. That's what yeah. I get on the nose. The flavor is all fruit. Yeah. But it's not nearly sweet enough to be that. Um yeah, it, it is it is it is like uh the sour raspberry but the chocolate, I don't know, something 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 It's something the blending. dark chocolate with the blackberry that I think is kind of cuz I I mean, it's good, but it's not like... It's good. Goose Island Stout good that you were right. used to. This isn't $35 good. Yeah. No, this is not that. Um, still good. Like, I don't taste 12%. No. No. No, definitely not. Um, is Red a co-host or a guest? He's a co-host. Yeah. Is there a Best Buy? I don't think for something like this usually. Contains wheat. Yeah. Well, obviously. But yeah. But so. so. Uh, no. Complex jammy fruit notes with caramel, chocolate malts, spicy rye character. You know, I don't know 
it might be the rye and the fruit that is messing up the compliment. You know, um, towards the back end, way back end, way, way back end, like back. <laughs> yeah. Um, I get a little bit of rye. It's not nearly front enough though. And I think, I think if there was either more rye or less rye, it might do better. But I get dark chocolate, but that fruit sour is, is dominating way more than it should. Yes. Uh, yes and it I is. think combined with how much rye is in here, it's just not the right balance. So you know how they have those raspberry chocolate sticks, right? And there's a particular brand that usually makes it, or that usually makes the really good one. And I don't remember which one. This are, tastes are, like... Are you talking the uh, the chocolate raspberry sticks? Yeah, those chocolate yeah, raspberry yeah, yeah. sticks. So so there's usually... And, and there's uh, a really... Rocky Mountain makes a really good one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. This tastes like an off-brand of that. Like, I can like see they, that. They, I can they see were, that. They were trying to make, and you bite into it thinking it's going to be that Rocky Mountain one. You're like, it's going to be just as good as that. And you find out it's just, you know, the dollar store version. Yep. And you're like, oh, the, the chocolate's a little waxy and the fruit flavor is, it's not balanced well with the chocolate. Yeah. There, there's not a good fruit to chocolate ratio. Right, exactly. That That ratio is off. Where I'm tasting yeah. some dark chocolate, but the sour is just way overriding it. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not a sour that I usually seek out. It's, it's kind of this weird dark fruit sour. Yeah. Um, and, and I, that's just the best way I can explain it, but it's this, it's a light bodied beer with a real rich sour to it. Um, it's almost like a dark sour. Yeah. Which, which we all know is code for. Infected. We accidentally killed this one and we're going to sell <laughs> yeah. it anyway. I know. I know it is. I don't think this one is infected, but yeah. No, exactly. No, but yeah. If you see dark sour, that means the brewery screwed up. <laughs> it's a, it's a really good chance. We can still drink it, but it's yeah. not what we wanted. Especially if it's a little small microbrewery. Right. Yeah. That they, they screwed up. They didn't intend for that to happen. Uh, you are a, uh, a lions fan, aren't you, Jeff? Or were Lions fan, I should say. Still am. Still, Still am. are. Well, obviously, uh, well, let's just put it this The Lions haven't been doing too well recently, but nope. but nope, they nope, nope. did do something for the city of Detroit. They actually won something for the city of Detroit. Yes. And they won them free Bud Light. That's right. Free Bud if, Light. So if that's your thing? If that's your thing. Uh, the Detroit Lion kicker, Matt, Matt Prater. Prater. Hey, Prater. Yeah, I, I, okay, you, you introduced okay. him saying Detroit Lion kicker, but you said it in like a derogatory way. Matt Prater <laughs> is the freaking man, okay? I guess. I mean, he only got the second longest field goal of the year. Or actually, she was tied for first. But Well, cool. he also has the tie for the NFL record with former Lions kicker. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. And Jason Elam, who did it like eight times, but he was also the Broncos Broncos kicker who did it mile <laughs> high. So, yeah, um, no, the Lions have had kickers. Like, <laughs> it's the only way they score. I know. <laughs> um, but apparently, so he made a bet uh, with uh, Denver Broncos kicker Brandon McManus, 
And it was actually a private bet. Uh, just basically saying, hey, who can you know hit the longest season field goal and we'll buy each other a beer. Well, apparently, again, this was all feud on Twitter. Budweiser got a hold of it and said, hey, we're going to get in on this. And whoever does this, we're going to give free Bud Light to your whole city. Yeah. And uh, week 10, uh, Matt hit a 59-yard uh, game winning. So one of the five they won. Yep. <laughs> uh, hey, we would have gone four and four and 12, but, but old Matt yeah. stepped up to the plate. That's right. And, and when you wait, maybe that's the problem. They were playing the wrong sport. Well, you know, maybe if they bet like who's going to win the Super Bowl, you know, maybe yeah. it would have been a bit nicer bet. And Bud Light would have been like, Hey, let's yeah. If you win the Super Bowl, maybe they would have tried a little harder. Yep. They were like, eh, we'll set up for Bud Light for the city. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah. No, no so, one, no one cared about the football anyway. Yep. So I guess, uh, and it hasn't yet been disclosed when, but yeah. the, uh, city of Detroit, you will be getting a notification of, you can go to certain places and get a free pint or can of Bud Light. Thanks to the Detroit Lions. Uh, so Brian asked in chat if any six core plus, uh, Ryzen chips existed with integrated graphics. In fact, they do. However, they are only available OEM only. Um, I know I said only twice, but they are only available for OEMs and there is an eight core that is the Mm. 4750G. So it is a third generation Ryzen, which they call the fourth generation chip with integrated graphics in it. Uh, and you're not going to like the price because, well, they only exist from like non-official channels. You can't buy them at Newegg or Amazon. Uh, they're about 480 bucks. Um, and so the only official ones that exist are four core eight threat um, that you can buy at retail. And that's the 3200G, 3400G. Um, beyond that, they kind of exist, but not for the market that you probably want to buy it for. Uh, and Ed chimed in good old Sapphire Ed how's it going buddy uh, that uh, no chocolatey bitterness all fruit 2018 waited too long perhaps no a lot of these are really meant to be aged um, uh, and most of the Bourbon County Stouts do age quite well I just think they they missed on this one yeah no if I remember correctly um, <clears throat> I believe this was the least favorite of the year mm-hmm um, I think that's why I was able to get two of them because there were so many still available. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> yes, he is kind of right. They are meant to be drank fresh and yeah. aged. Yes. Um. So, uh, but I, but I, yeah, I, I tend to lean on more your side of most of these. You could probably age them. I think at least at least bare minimum a year is what you probably should do to really get a good complexity. You were saying, because I still haven't got to try the 2020 version, it was a little too boozy and kind of almost needed to mellow out a bit. And I'm betting a year of that would have done it some really good. Yep. So, yeah, I was hoping this would age a little bit better than it has. Um, and I'll, and when I'll I age f- my other one for another 10 years, see what happens. Right, there you go. Then it's just wine with dark chocolate. And that's a good mix. There you go. Yeah. All right. 
moving right along here. By the way, if you're new to talking heads, when I say, all right, that's a shot. So <laughs> yeah, that's the one play thing the drinking game along with us. Yeah. Um, all right. On to a little bit more of a serious, uh, note for, for beer news. We usually don't go quite this serious, but, uh, a lot of craft breweries and distillers were caught very unaware, uh, in early January when they suddenly received bills from the FDA saying you owe us $14,800. Yep. Because you made hand, uh, hand sanitizer. You, yeah. You, out you, of you your distiller. Yeah. And if you are an FDA approved industry and, uh, and OEM who is going to be producing hand sanitizer, you have to be part of this program, which charges a $14,000, $14,800 fee to be a part of. Never mind that there was a global pandemic happening and no company and on shortage Earth of this and had yeah. hand sanitizer in stock and the distillery yeah. stepped up and sold it or gave it away in a lot yeah, of cases. Um, but How many uh, of you got hot sanitizer? I did. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> Uh, where'd you get yours from? Uh, uh, Vagabond and Sanium. Uh, mine was from, oh gosh, mine was from one of the Bend ones. Uh, oh, Prop Sun River or could have been 10 Barrel. I know 10, 10 Barrel, barrel. did. It was 10 Barrel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I got some 10 Barrel sanitizer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I actually, I, I bought the, the thing of it as a joke because I was, I was considering doing a joke in like early April of, like, what am I drinking today? Hand sanitizer, because it's the only thing yeah. I can get. <laughs> but I'm like, nah, it's probably in bad taste. <laughs> and it would taste bad. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so the FDA sent out invoices saying, you made hand sanitizer and you joined this FDA program to be approved by us to be able to sell hand sanitizer and call it hand sanitizer using the exact same processes that we force all hand sanitizer <clears throat> manufacturers to abide by and now you owe us $14,800 even though you're a mom and pop brewery which makes four barrels a year and yeah. happened to make hand sanitizer this year and went through the proper hoops to be able to make hand sanitizer and sell it at retail you still owe us $14,800 um well luckily um <laughs> what was the industry that that stepped up for the government it um oh department of human services yeah so U.S. Department of Human Services stepped up and said, whoa, cool your jets. Do you realize what these people did? They're, they shouldn't be subject to $14,800 fines. What amount to fines at the end of the year for producing hand sanitizer, oftentimes at a loss uh, in, in the midst of a global pandemic? Uh, these, these businesses are more heroes than anything else. Yeah, you need to waive that fee. Yeah, oh yeah. And so the FDA came forward with an official response that said those fees were issued in error. And we apologize to all of the small businesses who we might have sticker shocked in this uh in these unprecedented times. How's that? Yeah. They said error, but they didn't classify how the error was given. It wasn't said, an error. It was an error. It was an error. <laughs> it wasn't an error. This was this is what we charge to be part of an FDA program. It's yeah. $14,800 if you want to produce hand sanitizer in the United States in a calendar year. Oh, and by the way, some of them got charged twice because they had already produced hand sanitizer as of January 1st. 
exactly. Yeah. And oh, so yeah, on January other, yeah, 4th, they got bills for $29,600. Yeah, because they were saying, uh, yeah, they got a note too saying if they continued into the 2020 year or mm-hmm. 2022 year, sorry, uh, they'd get another bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, and everyone was like, "We we we cannot pay this again." Too right when this first happened, the way people were doing this was they took a loss by distilling the beer that they couldn't even sell. Right? And yeah, they said we already that... made this beer. We have excess ethanol laying around. Yeah. We might as well distill it down and sell it as hand sanitizer, and at least try to break even, or just donate it and call it a loss. Yeah, and exactly. that's what most of them did. Because kegs have a shelf life of three months. Guess what happened in March when pubs closed for six months? Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, we did. No one drank from of, kegs. We did tons well, of articles. Well, a couple articles. of us did, but, you know, we're weird. <laughs> Keg stands. Right. <laughs> I mean, oh, they I were cheap. My, I did my part. I bought a couple. Vagabond <laughs> selling 40 bucks for, for 30 gallons, for five gallons. Like, yes. Yes. I'll take some of those. <laughs> that, that was a nine two double IPA. Oh god. Oh yeah. Yep. It's gonna make some mean hand sanitizer. Let me tell you. Um, but yeah, a lot of them That's operated at a loss to be able to produce hand sanitizer just to get rid of excess stock because they couldn't sell the beer, and so the beer was already a loss for them. And then they went through more of a loss in labor and and produce hand sanitizer in the midst of a global pandemic. And got hit with a $15,000 thank you. So. Uh, Luckily it got fixed. Luckily yeah, it got fixed. It got fixed. But... it got fixed as soon as there was backlash. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, God, there was backlash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, was there backlash. Yeah. So, and rightfully so. Oh, yeah. You um, don't do that. Yeah. Sanitize my kidneys. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so in order to be qualified as a sanitizer, you need to be 80% or higher ABV. And so uh, I did my part and I drank a couple of barrel-proof fifths. So <laughs> I was going to say, like, so wait, does Everclear get charged this? <laughs> nope, because they don't sell it as hand sanitizer. <laughs> Although it's the same proof. Yes, I know. So it's like, no way. Yep. It wasn't an error. It was a mistake because they didn't expect the backlash. That's exactly yeah. correct. No, they were like, let's see if we can get some extra money. No, they probably didn't even think about it. Yeah. They just said, if anyone signed up for this program, which we charge $14,800 for every single year, go ahead and send out the invoices. That's what happened. I mean, I guess you can. No one gave two S's or, or, or another passing thought to. Oh, what about the mom and pop distillery that literally makes yeah. three batches per year that all of a sudden produced 12 cases of hand sanitizer and went through the proper legal loopholes to be able to sell it legally? What about them who only make, you know, $20,000 in profit per year? I mean, I guess that could be kind of considered an error. I mean, it's a really dumb error, but yep. technically. Uh, Andrew says, at Jeff, uh, GPD win three. I'm intrigued. Um, because we got our first glimpse of it today. I've I've not done enough research on it because the videos just dropped this morning to be able to talk about it today. I'm probably going to add it to the notes next week. Um, assuming there's not like any big blowing, blown up announcements, which it's CES week, so maybe. Um, that being said, I'm really impressed for some impressions. And I 
I really want one. <laughs> yeah, so, 800 bucks. <laughs> so I was telling my wife this morning, because I've been, I've been playing the hell out of all my new handhelds, which, by the way, probably early next week, there's a video coming up on all my new handhelds that I got for Christmas. Courtesy <laughs> of a lot of you who said, oh, Jeff said he wanted this handheld. I happen to have one. Here, have it. Um, so... <laughs> Every single year, I do a Final Fantasy IV and Final Fantasy VI, or as I know them, Final Fantasy II and Final Fantasy III playthroughs. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and so this year, it's like, well, I don't have time to sit down and play them. And the last couple of years, I've done it on the Game Boy Advance versions, and it's like, yeah, that sucks. Um, Wait, the redone ones? Uh, well, Final oh, that, Fantasy IV for the GBA and the PSP Complete Edition um, are redone but redone in the 2d style where it's it's a remastered 2d version yeah which has the 3d version which instead of life and life 2 has phoenix down and arise and, yeah. and so it's it's the modern final fantasy naming schemes but with the old school graphics um and so i usually play the originals i usually play final fantasy 2 final fantasy 3 snes original us releases yeah and i play those through once per year because they're freaking amazing games. And on Final Fantasy 2, I usually 100% it. You know, out of my armor, everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I go I go hardcore on it. Um, well, this year I went, you know what? I kind of want to play the upgraded versions. I want to play at least... Uh, and this year I'm probably going to go through uh, the, uh, uh, the after story, or after years, uh, as well, on Final Fantasy 4. And I went, you know what? The PSP has a great version of that. What better to do it on than the GPD win, win 1? that Andrew so graciously donated to the channel. Thank you, Andrew. Um, because this is a PSP machine. Like, it's freaking amazing. Um, and when I'm playing Final Fantasy II, it doesn't really require 3D graphics except when it's doing the, the magic animations. And I'll get like six and a half hours of battery life out of this thing. It's like, yeah. So I've been jamming on Final Fantasy IV literally since New Year's Eve on that device. Um, uh beat Zeromus last night and today i've been jamming on the the lunar uh oh the moon yeah the, on, on the moon on the on the moon extra edition quests which are only available for the game boy advance and psp yeah. um and uh yeah uh and then i'll probably do the after the after years on there as well and then i'm going to move on to the gpd win 2 and i'm going to play the pc remaster 2d version of final fantasy 6 which I've never played that version of. Um, but it's a 2D version with kind of HDized graphics. Um, so it's a lot sharper, a lot cleaner text. Um, should be fun. Which is funny, you're saying you don't like flying, and, or, or when you fly, you know, you're always uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy 2 and America 3 is my go-to yeah. flight game. Yes. Oh, those are they're great Those, those are my flight games of like, yep, I uh, usually play these well, long flights anyways. Yeah. It's like, yep, this is what I go through. What is my game time on four so far? It's it's higher than it should be. I'll tell you that much. Because um, I stopped playing Cyberpunk and I started playing Final Fantasy IV. <laughs> ah, you, um, and 75%. And did you hear 75% of Cyberpunk's uh, players have dropped out already? That's not really Unheard surprising. Of? That's not yeah, really surprising. Um, here's why. Um uh, by the way, Ed Sapphire Ed says, uh, any Sega Game Gear action? I do like the Game Gear. And in fact, I did uh, recently, I actually on the GPD Win 2, um, I did install all my Game Gear ROMs on that as well. 
And I played through Sonic Labyrinth the other day, which is a really, really lost gem uh, of, of, a, of a Game Gear game. Uh, the Game Gear itself is kind of a lost gem because no one had enough double A's to play any games when it oh, was Oh, God, new. I know. Yeah. It took six double A's and got two hours of battery life. Do you know how pissed off my mom was every single Costco run? Oh, yeah. Yeah, double A's back then, I mean, how how expensive they were. Yeah. I mean, it was basically the price of a game. Well, <laughs> well, we pay like $17 for 100 today. It was $17 for 20 back then. And that yeah. was 1995 money. <laughs> Although it was it was either that or you spent the six AA batteries to power up the light, that light screen for your Game Boy. I had that too. I had that. Yeah. And I was like, why am I doing this? I just want a Game Gear. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had backlit, color. It was so much better. Uh, it was better in theory. I'll, I'll give it that much. Cause I had, I had a, an original game boy, later a game boy pocket, later a game boy color. I've had all the game boys. Yeah. Um, I've owned every Nintendo handheld except the virtual boy. Um, and I still kick myself for not buying the virtual boy complete set, including all 13 North American games for 50, for $50 on the UFO campus. When I found that in a second hand shop one day, <laughs> I'm so pissed off to this day that I didn't buy that. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I I owned a Game Gear, and you could not keep keep that thing fed. You oh yeah, couldn't. I, get I had a wall adapter, and I was tied to a wall, and and I had a multi adapter that would charge my Game Boy and my Game Gear out of a car outlet, and I spent a lot of time in in a car as a kid, and even that was like, <laughs> yeah, it would crap out half the time or whatever else. Uh, let's see. Uh, actual game time, now I am playing with Fast Forward, is uh, 19 hours and all of my characters are level 99. <laughs> so like I said, I go hardcore on this. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and I'm going to do the same thing with Final Fantasy VI, although there are multiple endings for Final Fantasy VI, and I don't know that I'm going to go through all the endings, although usually I try to. So... Uh, street cred plus a hundred mil for busting the game gear. Awesome sauce guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, did anyone have either a, the TV tuner for the game gear? I want to know that because there was a TV tuner you could plug in and get over the air reception and watch two hours of crappy ABC. Um, or, and I know one person on my discord has one, but did anyone in chat own a Sega nomad? Ooh. John, do you know what a Sega Nomad is without Googling mm. it? Nope. I do. I, I might know. Oh, okay, yes, 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 yes. I know what it is. Did not have one, but I know what it is. I like. I, I would have known from pictures of it, like, but I never knew the name of it. So okay. the Sega Nomad is essentially a portable Sega Genesis mm -hmm. that took the full cartridges in the back of the system took six double A's and had all six buttons and a D pad. And I think it cost in the neighborhood of like $299 in 1996, like right at the birth of like the N64 and PlayStation had already been on the market a year. They're marketing a 16 bit handheld console that weighs about as much as a brick for 300 well, bucks. I, I think their marketing was though, you already have all the games for this. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you can go and rent all the games for this, and games for this are cheaper. It was kind of the idea, right? And I think that was their market. I still on remember it, yeah. paying fifty to seventy dollars for Sega games, brand new. Yeah, I remember. I remember forty nine right. ninety nine for most. Super right, forty nine ninety nine. I I remember stickers in in Toys R Us for sixty nine ninety nine for uh, for like Chrono Trigger and and games like that. You know, which is actually surprising now that you think about it because games are still that price, brand new. Right. And they're so much more complex and bigger. Right. And oh, and by the way, that was 1994 money. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be. By the way, that's almost $500 years ago now. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I. Did you see that meme I posted of. uh, (laughs) Now they just look at the first one. I was like, oh, I didn't realize that. I was like, wow. Yeah. For for those wondering, when they check your ID at the liquor store now, they only have to look at the first number. Yeah. Let that sink in. God, that's even 1999ers too. Right. <laughs> Andrew says, "LOL, handheld." Right. No, it was like this thick, man. <laughs> it, was... <laughs> it was more like I can mount it on my table. Right. Think of a Nintendo Switch with the dock, and another Nintendo Switch in the dock. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anyway, that was a fun tangent. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, we have uh, Bush beer, one... and I'm more interested in the photography one. Let's go to the photo. All right, let's let's skip. Well, anyways, Bush beer is going to give you a dollar off for every inch of snow between now and end of March. That's it. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but there is uh, something interesting I found. This is actually I when I found this, I didn't know if I should put this in, but then I remember Jeff has a niche for photography. And this is actually held a world record. It is the world's longest exposure photograph taken, and it was taken with a beer can. Yes. So, uh, an an entrepreneur photographer, or an intrepid photographer, we'll say, um, decided to create a pinhole camera out of a beer can, which is not as crazy of an idea as it sounds. This is actually... Kind of a common practice. Um, But basically, you take a photo negative, you put it into a beer can, uh, line it against the back of it, or just have it as a flat plane. Um, You seal the top of it so no light can get in the top, and you poke a pinhole exactly where the light should come in perpendicular to the photograph. And you set it up, and you let it expose. And so uh, Regina uh, Valkenbro uh did this with a beer can right around eight years ago yeah and then forgot <laughs> about it yeah yeah she she mounted it uh at her university uh on top of a, a telescope mount mm-hmm. and um forgot about it yep <laughs> then 2953 days later yep. yeah uh 2953 days later uh David Campbell happened to be he, he's the uh, the technical officer uh happened to be inspecting the roof of that telescope facility uh saw the beer can picked it up and went huh this is set up exactly like a pinhole camera i wonder if there's if there's film in here mm-hmm. so took it into a dark room went i'll be damned there's film in here had it developed and this is what came out actually quite beautiful it's pretty freaking awesome 
Yeah, it um, is. I... So, so this is the horizon of what was on top of the, the telescope, you know, what you could see in the sky. And up above it are 2,953 individual trails of the sun over the course of eight years streaking across the sky. That's pretty cool, honestly. And yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's pretty clear for, for what it is. Oh, yeah. You can see definition in the treetops. Yeah. Like, like it's crazy how much detail there is in this photo. Yeah. Like you, no, you can see trees and you can also see how the trees grew over the course of eight years because they're darker at the bottom and a little lighter at the top. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's really cool. It's kind of a work of art. Um, they were saying that, you know, finding a pinhole uh, 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 photo is, isn't uncommon a mm -hmm. lot of times, but because it was in the beer can and well done, it was preserved. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Oh, sorry. And uh, so thanks to Birkin, well, basically aluminum. But uh, yeah, this was this was kind of really cool. Um, I don't know. Just... As, as someone with a very soft spot for photography, yeah. that that just tickles me in ways that... <laughs> yeah, I mean... It, uh, few stories that, can. How's yeah, that? I mean, I mean, the rest of the article talks about how pinhole photography was taking place throughout the years and, and, and you know, generations. It's like, pinhole ah, photography cares? is the oldest known photography. Yeah. Like, I mean, actually, I, I built these as a little kid, mm -hmm. school projects. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I built them over a, a cardboard light box, right. but, you know. Um, some of the earliest digital photography was people taking digital SLR lenses with flatbed scanners with the LED light strip removed. Oh yeah. So you have this eight and a half by 11 piece of glass on a, on a parallel scanner. You basically out of cardboard or plastic or aluminum or whatever you can get, make a cone shape that comes down and in dead center, you mount some kind of lens like a Minolta bayonet mount or something like that. And you do the math for what the focus point will be once it hits the, the, the focus plane, which is the scanner sensor itself. And then to take a picture, you open your scanner program and you say, I want to scan at 3,800 DPI. And the scanner bar comes down from that scanner. <laughs> and, yeah. and you end up with a digital image. <laughs> That's what pinhole photography is. Basically. Yeah. Um, so no, I remember reading in the early, early, well, mid-90s about people taking flatbed scanners, throwing SLR lenses into a homemade adapter on them and coming out with some, like, really beautiful images. Huh. Um, it's like, I can't afford a digital SLR, but here's a $20 Minolta lens and a flatbed scanner <laughs> I picked up at Goodwill. And here's what I came up with. Now, it was crap for photography, for, like, live action or even portrait photography, because the scanning bed moved at about this speed. So, so, yeah. And a scanning line by line, 3,600 times. And so if anyone's ever seen like, you know, propeller blades like suspended in time from photography, think of that with a person. <laughs> well, I guess so. This is similar with the pinhole, good time-lapse stuff. Mm -hmm. You can make some pretty beautiful art with the time-lapse. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, Ansel Adams, lover of the pinhole photography. Exactly. 
All right, we got a couple minutes left. A couple more stories to get to. Um, <sighs> this one was hilarious. Oh, I, I laughed at this one. <laughs> so, does anyone at all? Speaking of like retro handhelds, um, <laughs> God, it sounds so wrong to call it retro now. Speaking of retro handhelds, does anyone remember when the Game Boy Advance came out with video cartridges? I do. So you could buy like one of 12 movies and a couple of times, like two episodes of a TV show on a Game Boy Advance on a Game Boy Advance cartridge that went into your GBA and played back at a glorious 144 by 90 resolution in 256 color and four FPS. Yep, I remember that. You could watch a feature-length film on a Game Boy cartridge. Well, not to be outdone. (laughs) Go ahead. A Redditor has memed all the memes and compressed Shrek onto a single floppy disk with full audio and video. Um (laughs) Yeah. So it is compressed to a resolution of 120 by 96 and it fits on a 1.44 megabyte floppy drive or floppy disk. <coughs> and it doesn't take up the whole entire room. It doesn't. He had like 20 or he had like 300 kilobytes to spare. It was only 1.1 meg. Like, yeah, dude, one, you can one, add one, another bite to that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Uh, did you watch the sample video he posted? I did. Oh, God. Oh, my God. It's so bad. It it, is. It's Flash is better than that. Yeah. We're going to get demonetized. I don't care. <laughs> Here's the original. Here's what's on the floppy. There's no audio. <laughs> There's audio. I muted it. Oh, okay. There is audio. It plays full audio. Oh, yeah. I was just saying. Just it's like two bit audio. audio. <laughs> 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 yeah. We all know the music. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's Shrek. You can, you can watch, watch it. the movie. Yep. On a floppy. On a floppy. Yeah, here we go. Here's a better representation of frame rate and everything else. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You can Look see the that. color compression. Everything has a green hue to it because Shrek is so green. <laughs> God. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So... Uh, I mean, this is user greedy paint on, on Reddit has compressed the entire feature length film of Shrek onto a floppy disk. I mean, this is essentially just like the, uh, N64, uh, <laughs> with Linux. Like, right. Why do this. Why? Ah. Because I had it on my shelf. Yep. Exactly. It's and like, now floppy disk. And now it can do it. He probably did have one of those cartridges to be like, you know, they compress this. I wonder, can I compress this even more? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love it. I love the image he uses. It's one of those stupid early 2000 uh, neon see-through floppy disks. Yes. <laughs> yeah, by like, the way, oh, <laughs> by the way, it's a translucent floppy disk, which is like, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> You know, it was like just at the end of when floppy disks were like a thing. And they're like, yeah, they're still cool and hip. Check out. You can see through it. Uh, CD-ROMs are cheap enough now. I would have been more happy if he used like an old AOL 
free minute. It should have been an AOL free disc. It really should have been. I was thinking the same thing, actually. Oh, you got CompuServe? No, Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been terrific. All right, two more to get to. Uh, so Nintendo has out Nintendo themselves in the court of law. This week alone, they have filed 379 individual DMCA's against fan-made recreations. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I looked at some of these, and it wasn't either recreations or just, you know, use of characters without permission. Most of this is use of, of Nintendo copyright without permission, is, yeah. is, is how they, they claim it. And... I want to go about this two ways because there are two sides to this argument. As much as people go, well, it's not hurting Nintendo at all. Um, there are two sides to this argument. As Nintendo, you are right to defend your copyright and trademark however you would like. At the same time, they're missing the point of fan recreations and yeah. of fan projects. Um, I get both sides. I totally get both sides. But you are letting your legal team extinguish the enthusiasm for your products. And that's where I think a lot of gamers get ticked off. Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know, Nintendo has a very famous track record of going after fan projects, fan recreations, fan remasters, or even just like, I made a Pokemon game for the PC because I was inspired by Pokemon and I wanted to bring it bigger, better, badder to the PC. Well, Nintendo goes, no, you cannot use our trademarks. You cannot use our copyright, our, our intellectual property for your own uses. And it's like, well, it's not for profit. It doesn't matter. Um, and in the standing of the law, they're right. It doesn't matter. Fan art is one thing. Fan art is a completely protected uh, medium. Um, and to that end, to some interpretations of the law, fan-made projects would be protected medium. Um, as long as they are not marketed or sold or for profit or anything else, they could be considered a protected medium, but no one's ever fought Nintendo because no one has Nintendo lawyer dollars. By the yeah, way, Ninten the Nintendo could post a loss for the next hundred years and still exists as a company. Do you know that? I, that I did not know. That's how much money Nintendo has. And they're not even the biggest player. They're not even the biggest player. But Nintendo as a company could post a financial loss for the next 400 quarters and still exist as Nintendo that we know today. And nothing would change. They could produce the same products just not receive any revenue and produce actually, the same thing. I think, I think I remember reading an article a couple of years or maybe two years ago that someone did this and they did sue them and they won. And, but then they ended up hiring the team that did that to help work at their on other future developments on like Nintendo America. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get, I get, because honestly, if I was going to work on a game myself, build my game myself, 
it is easier to be like, oh, I really love playing this one game as a child or right. something. And I'm going to draw inspiration from that. And I think I could do a crazy story with this character and, and just call it that. You know, people would love it. Yeah. Similar to me. And then you get crushed by your idol who made that character for you. Yeah. Like <sighs> I said, there's when fans get crazy and Nintendo fans tend to get crazier than Xbox and Sony fans. Yeah. We all love Zelda. I don't care who you are. You freaking love Zelda. Oh yeah, you do. Um, you love Mario. You'll play a Mario game. You'll play the crappiest Mario game and go, well, at least it's better than Sonic. You know, everyone does yeah. that. <laughs> Most people do that. Most um, but at the same time, Nintendo does have a legal foot to stand on, but they also don't read the room very well. Um, and so this is, this is a tough one. I've always struggled with this one, um, where as a creator, as an independent fan, as someone who has no correlation to, uh, or affiliation with Nintendo, you go, you know what? Dang it. I just really like the legend of Zelda and I want to get my creative juices flowing. And what if Zelda existed in the Mario world? Which, by the way, there was a great Flash game called Mario Crossover in which you could play the original Mario Brothers, but you could play it as Samus, as Link, I as... Yeah. Uh, um, I actually downloaded the SWF, so I have it. <laughs> um, it's the only Flash game that I own or that I have in my possession. Um, but you could play the original Mario Brothers as these other characters with the character's abilities. So, and it's the link from Zelda two, you know, the one that everyone hates, but it's the 2d platformer Zelda and, or link. And so you can like jump with your sword and like, you know, ninja knife, the, uh, the, the Goombas the, walking the, by. The Goombas, yeah. And the toads. And it's totally great. Turtle. Yeah. No. Yeah. Cause I remember playing that, but I was always Samus. Yeah. Because you could shoot and you're basically always on fire. Yeah. Sonic Mania was awesome. Yeah, but Mario Galaxy, Galaxy 2, and Odyssey were awesome-er. Oh, yeah. Wait, so, my, so so my son loves Mario Odyssey. He got into that. Mm -hmm. We're talking a three-year-old here, three, four-year-old. Mm -hmm. And so I bought him, uh, the Switch came out with the uh, 3D. The Mario uh, pack? The Mario pack. Yeah. He now adores that. Like, literally, before I came on here, he's like, Dad, let's go play Mario Sunshine. And and so I was like, I was like, no, no, you gotta go beat because he doesn't realize it's paint. He thinks it's lava and chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> but it's paint. Um get so, that chocolate off, Dad. Oh, no, that's he's like, yeah, go get that chocolate monster, Dad. Go get him. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. I will have to that is I know you like it. Mario Sunshine is my least favorite 3D Mario. I I have to say. It's one of my least. Now, now I have... Do you have experience on the DS and 3DS? Um, Mario 3DS Land is my least favorite Mario of, of all time. Mm. Um, it's worse than Mario Teaches Typing. I'm sorry. Oh, oh wow. It's just not yeah, a good I, I don't like it. Um, some people do. It's not my cup of tea. I don't know what no, it I is about what they did with Mario 3D Land. It's just not good. Um... And I and I understand the dislike for a lot of what Super Mario Sunshine does because it's integrating a lot more of the tech and the helper item 
Um, it feels a lot more like a like a Zelda oh, game than it does a Mario I like game. Mario 3. No, I like Mario 3D Land. Well, I, I shouldn't say I didn't like the, the, the DS version, but they came out with the Mario 3D Land for the Wii U. Okay. And I like that one. But, yeah. I, I, I like Sunshine because it's a little bit different concept, but it's still Mario. You know, um, I, I don't I don't like the tool. Right. And, and a lot of people get hung up there yeah. um, where they would they would rather it's still a pure 3D platformer rather than a I've got a water tank on my back. And, and, and you're and, and you're, I get it. I get it. And you have to use the water tank a lot. Yeah. All the time. So yeah. it's not Mario. Yeah, exactly. It's so. Um, so I understand. I understand the dislike for that game. I do like the game very much. It's certainly not in my top Mario's, but it's certainly in my top 50 of like games. Yeah. So. No. Uh, but yeah, no, I was, I was playing Mario 64 and he loves Mario 64 and, but he loves um, Odyssey because of they do act. It's the, the, the weirdest part is so him and I, we beat it. We got, uh, they do moons instead of suns or stars. Yeah, and uh, so we got yeah they do sun and, sprites. Uh, yeah, but no, uh, they, so we got nine hundred and ninety nine. Uh-huh. So we 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 beat everything. Yeah. Got it all the way to the end. Got all the clothes. Got everything. And so, but his favorite part now is actually surprisingly the music. He'll go and he'll find Toad with the jukebox and he'll spend. 30 minutes going through every single like Dad. the music in Mario Sunshine was on point. I'm not gonna Oh no, lie. no, he'll do he'll do this for Odyssey. He'll do this for oh, Odyssey. Odyssey. Okay. Odyssey. Yeah. And he'll he'll say like, "Dad, never you you know what this is?" And he'll he'll play the song. I'm like, "I don't know." He's like, "Oh no. This is where you this is the the second time you fight Bowser." Yeah. How do you know that? It's like it's just it. I'm like, "Oh, you're right." Like, uh, "You know what this one is?" "Oh no, this is when you're underground in the Sand Kingdom, Dad." Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're Come right. on, Dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, I'm getting lectured yeah. by a three-year-old of, of the audio. And so when I bought him the 3D pack, it came with all of the soundtrack already, too. And yeah. that was like the first thing he went to. Yeah. Was like, oh, you remember this? You remember, you know this? You know this? This is fantastic. He spent 45 minutes just, what's this song? What's this song? <gasps> this is Bowser, oh, isn't there's it? There's my jam. <laughs> Yeah, this is Bowser. <laughs> we bought it for for Christmas. We bought him this um, uh, like figurine Bowser castle, and you can hit the top, and it plays Bowser's theme song. And he's like, "Dad, watch this!" And he just runs over and hits it. <laughs> it was like, right, right. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, oh, my. I can picture him doing that, which is amazing. <laughs> oh, it's 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 so like. Like I love it. At the same time, it, like it gets annoying because he's like, "Dad, l- let's listen to this the fiftieth time." I'm like, "Okay," but you know, there every now and then you get just that... wait until he gets absorbed with Minecraft or Roblox oh, well, oh, because that's where my should... daughter's at right now. Oh no, no, Steve, Steve's son is all Minecraft. Oh yes, I know. Steve's I know son he is. is all Minecraft, and he'll he'll talk you up a storm about Minecraft, and it's it's so funny because when the two of them will come over. And it's just like Minecraft is good. No, Mario's better. Minecraft is good. Yeah. Mario's better. <laughs> You're raising a console fanboy. I hope you know that. It's it's the Switch is easy. The Switch is easy. Switch it's is portable. Easy. Yeah. That, that's the thing. Yeah. It's it's nice and easy. It's portable. And uh, to where Steve's lugging around a laptop. Right. I'm like, 
Uh, so Andrew says people didn't like Twilight Princess because of Wolf Link. I loved it. I love oh. Twilight Princess. Twilight Princess was awesome. It's freaking amazing. No, great. Because Twilight Princess was the first Zelda game where they weren't afraid to get dirty. Like yeah. seriously, um, it's a dark game. It's, it is a very dark game. The overall mood is not hopeful and joyous, and like you know. Somewhere over the rainbow, it's not there. The the only the only downside was it uh, because that was Wii, right? Uh, It was late GameCube, and it was a Wii U or it was a Wii release title. Yes, yeah, and and so they sold it off for the Wii as a swing sword style. Yes, and it wasn't there. There was waggle controls for Twilight Princess. Yeah, no one used them because they were terrible. I also, I, I, I that's what I bought. I bought it on the Wii, mm-hmm. and I ended up, yeah. After like three hours of game, like, nope, I'm just, just gonna play on the controller. Right. The no, give me a GameCube controller. Let me rock this. Right. Yeah. No, and, and that's that's exactly how I played it. Um, I I bought the GameCube disc. Where it's like I'm not buying a Wii for Twilight Princess. Yeah. And then later on, we owned like four different Wiis because of Wii Bowling. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As I mean, one does. As, as anyone sits there and says, oh, "I got to bring this over for for New Year's Day for my parents to play," right? You know, or my grandparents, are, and all you need is Wii Sport. That's all you need. Yep. Buy the Wii, <laughs> one ninety nine. Oh, I mean, and you got to get Wii Fit. I did get that, and eh, we eh. all did. We yeah. all did. John, we all did. I mean, I bought it. I bought it, but I didn't do it. I still have I it. Tried. Right. I still have. I still have mine too. Yep. Um. Actually, I think it's at my parents' house. John, it's been three thousand two hundred and seventy-two days since you last logged in. Oh no, God! Although my Wii, because I ended up hacking it, is now hooked up to my arcade. <laughs> Wii equals homebrew. <laughs> no, no, that that spear. We can't get demonetized for that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wouldn't want to send a bomb through the mail or anything. See, why do you think I like homebrewing? Homebrewing. <laughs> John is very into homebrew. Homebrewing. Although I'm John thought he in- was into homebrew until he shared his homebrew supply with me. And then he realized oh, this, this story again, which actually I already shared on Discord. You already recently. shared it on Discord, but uh, recently, yes. John realized it is a measuring contest, and he lost. <laughs> Thank you. And on that note, it is ten oh seven, and I think that's a great place to I end. I didn't it. lose by much. <laughs> So John sent me a, uh, we were talking about our ROM libraries. John sent me a screenshot and he had uh, uh, 230 gigs. And he goes, I've got a pretty impressive ROM library. Like, I'm not going to lie. That, I got was, a li- that was the Wii. That was the Wii No, no, library. no. It was your entire library. Eh, your folder maybe. said ROMs. Maybe. I think it was I have ROMs. the text somewhere. I can find it. Damn. Um, so anyway, John, I, I, I asked John, Hey, do you know how to homebrew a Wii? And he goes, yeah, I do. And if you need any ROMs, I can hook you up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, something like that. Yeah. That's right. About right. And, and, yeah. and I, and I said, 
no, 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 don't worry about that. I just, I've just never homebrewed a Wii before. And so he goes, are you sure? Cause I got this. And he sends me a screenshot and he's got like his ROMs folder and it's like 230 gig. So I sent John back a screenshot of 480 <laughs> gigabytes. And I said, that's my Wii library. <laughs> I'm pretty sure no, because my, I have a 250 gig library or, or SS or a hard drive hooked up. So yeah, that was just my Wii. So yes, you doubled my Wii library. Yeah. Which doesn't bode well for the rest of your library. <laughs> Whatever. I, I, half of that was probably Japanese games that no one ever plays. Nope. I weeded yeah. those out. Uh-huh. I don't speak Japanese. I ain't playing that. <laughs> um, let's just see. Where do I sit at today? Uh, I should go look at mine, but I don't have it on this computer. We'll add it up and then we'll log out here. Oh, it's going to yeah, take too go. long. It's... It's on my NAS, so it's having to count megabyte by megabyte. I'm at I'm at a terabyte. I got one terabyte at least. Um, I don't have that. I, I, I think have. I'm at about 900. 900 no, games. I, 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 I don't I'd, have that. I'd put the over-under at a terabyte. I'd put it at the under, but just under. Maybe maybe four or five. Look at my oh. Wii library, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, you, I'm, I, I'm, I'm probably about four to 500 total. Yeah. No, I'm easily 900 total, if if not a terabyte, because because yeah. I also go into PSP, PS2. Yeah, and I well, I, I never I did a right. couple of uh, I think I did I think I might have like two or three PS uh, PS2s, but <laughs> I, I never went into that. That's so my my library is purely N64 and down, and yeah. then Wii's. Mine was for a long time, but then I modded a Wii and I went, well, I need to get GameCube and Wii both on here, and, mm. and in fact, I was already well into GameCube. Uh, ROMs as well. Um, yeah, I never went into like and, Dolphin uh, stuff. Now I will say I never virtualize current gen consoles because that does hurt the industry. I buy current gen consoles. I, yeah. I own a Switch and I have like 30 games for my Switch. Yeah. And as soon as the Switch 2 comes out, guess what? I'm probably going to own every game on the Switch ever. Um, but I wasn't going to buy them anyway. So there you go. Yeah. Anyway... <laughs> I think that's enough legal implement (laughs) implication for this episode of talking. When we're talking homebrew, we're talking beer here, people talking a lot of beer. There's a lot of IPAs on my beer. Yes. That's it. There's a lot of recipes. We have terabytes of recipes. Where do you get your ROMs? Um, I ripped them all myself because that's required by the digital millennium copyright act. There you go. I ripped every game myself. With my own hardware, my own copies. Anyway, that's going to do it for episode 165 here on Talking Heads. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form on Anchor FM or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Join us every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news. Think about joining the Patreon or Floatplane. Links are down in the video description. As an exclusive bonus, you'll get access to the Discord server where you can talk with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the toast from... I said toasts again, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and take part of the ever-growing community over there and keep the conversation going all week long. John, any plugs you want to drop for Hops and Brews? Subscribe I, to I, Hops I, and Brews? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I got I to gotta work out. The 1,000 subscriber channel, Hops and Brews. Hey, 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 that's right. Honestly, for beer, that is literally like the 100,000 subscriber mark. Right. <laughs> so Seriously. It really is. I'm in the who's who. Like, 
Not gonna lie. Beer wise, yeah, I yeah. Am. <laughs> you know what? Stone's not sending me any beer. There you go. Yeah. That's it, right. <laughs> Thank you much for joining us on this Wednesday night. Uh, and as always, we'll see you in the next video. See you guys next week. Later on.